0: You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet. Today is April 16th, 2021. This is episode 34 of season 3 episode 99 of the Garrett Ashley Mullins Show. Today, we're going to talk about J. Gresham mockins Christianity and Liberalism. I just finished this book yesterday on my drive home from work, and I'd like to talk about it a little bit, because there were some very interesting statements made, very interesting arguments and assertions in the 5 hours and 38 minutes that it took Uh well, honestly, it didn't take five hours, 38 minutes. It took <clears throat> half that because I listened on double speed. But in the, what is that? two and a half seventeen point five two 17.5, two hours, 47 and a half minutes roughly <clears throat> that it took for me to finish this book. He covers a lot of ground. He covers a lot of topics that are very interesting to me. And I was talking to my... Neighbor Two Houses Down, J.P. Chavez, about the book. He's the one that had recommended it. We exchanged recommendations on books quite a, quite often. And uh, he recommended this one after I recommended to him Twilight of the American Enlightenment by George M. Marsden. And so thank you, J.P., if you're listening. Thank you for recommending J. Gresham Machen's book. Mockin. I had never heard of before, and that probably speaks to my ignorance, as is often the case with these sorts of things. I had never heard of him before, but according to the write-up publisher's summary on Audible, Machen's classic defense of Orthodox Christianity established the importance of scriptural doctrine and contrasts the teachings of liberalism and orthodoxy on God and man, the Bible, Christ, salvation, and the Church, though generally published nearly 70 years ago, I'm sorry, though originally published nearly 70 years ago, the book maintains its relevance today. It was named one of the top 100 books of the millennium by World Magazine and one of the top 100 books of the century by Christianity Today. So apparently Christianity Today has a much narrower timeline in which this makes the top 100, but World Magazine, hey, a thousand years, this is this is in there. This is one of the top 100 books. That's saying something, right? So what is it that is so special about Jay Gresham Makan? Well, for one thing, he was a professor at Princeton, I believe between World War One and World War II. He references World War One as a failure of progressive thinking and progressive teaching and progressive governance He references World War I, but I don't get the impression that World War II has happened yet. Maybe it has. In any event, he is writing at a turning point in Princeton's history. He's a professor, and at the the point that he's writing, Princeton is still fairly conservative theologically. Princeton started out as a theological seminary. So did Harvard. So did a lot of these Ivy League schools. And he is watching liberal ideology, liberal theology, liberal political theory pervade every area of study at Princeton. And he writes this book to confront that trend. And he says very early and very directly and very clearly, liberal Christianity is not orthodox biblical authentic christianity the liberal christian gospel is not the gospel of jesus christ it's a false gospel liberalism is a counterfeit religion it is an opposed religion to the teachings of jesus christ to the historical gospel of christ it is a false religion he says this early He makes a really compelling argument, in my opinion, as to why he would say this. He references and does a compare and contrast with the Gnostics in the early church. The Gnostic Christians basically maintained the whole mind-body dualism concept from ancient Greek philosophy. Material bad, spiritual good. Therefore, Jesus only appeared to be a man or there's special revelation that we have and that special revelation that we each individually get is what saves us spiritually but that's not that's not christian right the gnostics they they wrote a number of books gospel of thomas other things that the early church, the early orthodox Christian community, leadership, etc., etc., very early on came out against and said, no, that you are of a different spirit. This is not Christ. This is not of Christ, and you are a counterfeit operation. The Judaizers are also referenced by Je- Jake Gresham Mocken. Judaizers the apostle paul confronts and directly writes against in the book of galatians for instance he writes about when he and peter were in antioch the judaizers come to town and all of a sudden peter refuses to eat with meet with associate with the gentile christians because the judaizers basically were saying it's not enough for you to believe in jesus you have to be circumcised as well you have to keep the Old Testament law, in order to be embraced, in order to really have salvation. And Paul very emphatically says, no, 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 no. Jesus plus nothing, that's salvation. Our faith is in Jesus. It's not in our ability to keep the law. And Peter, if you're siding with the Judaizers to try and curry favor with them, and you're afraid of offending them, and you're okay with offending these Gentile Christians who have this pure, simple faith in the gospel that we preached, then you need to be rebuked in front of everybody. You're off base. You're you've crossed the line, get back on the other side of the line. But the funny thing is, you know, as soon as we start going there, as soon as we start going there with liberal Christians that we know, and start saying something like what Jay Gresham Makin says in Christianity and liberalism. As soon as we start saying, that is not Christianity, clearly, emphatically, definitively, unapologetically, you are of a different spirit. Immediately, a chorus of objections will be raised. That's not very nice. I think you're going too far. Yeah, maybe we disagree theologically on a couple of things. Maybe we disagree politically about... Abortion and the LGBTQ agenda and the size of government and your constitutional rights and you know Maybe we disagree with liberal So-called Christians about a lot of these things, but you're going too far You're allowing politics to inform your theology and that's not very Christian of you You're being divisive if you say as Jay Gresham Mocken does you liberal Christianities are not Christians. You're of a different spirit. That chorus will be raised because invariably by this point, fast forward seven decades from when Machen wrote Christianity and Liberalism, seven decades of families morphing and changing and Intermarrying with people that consider themselves to be liberal Christians and denominations being taken over and consumed with the infection of liberal Christianity, liberalism, theological liberalism, social liberalism, political liberalism. We're not talking about classic liberalism in the sense that we believe that people should be free by and large. We're talking about modern liberalism, which is you can be saved by being permissive, by being lawless. Except it doesn't work that way. And invariably, modern liberalism gives way to a kind of totalitarianism because lawlessness doesn't work. The more lawless everybody is, the more you realize why those laws were there to begin with, because man is not inherently good. The lie of liberalism in the modern era, is that man is inherently good and it's the system that's getting in the way. And if we can just perfect the system or else get it out of the way, then man will express his good nature. He's got an inherently good nature. Well, as Machin points out, that's antithetical to the gospel message. The gospel message is, we've got a diagnosis and it's not looking good. You are a bad person. You're an evil person within sinful nature. You're not a good person. I don't know if that's news to you. You're not a good person. If you're in Christ, you have Christ's righteousness, according to the text, but you're not in and of yourself a good person. You have a sinful nature. and We live in a sinful fallen world and we've got three enemies all working in concert to keep us from honoring God with our lives. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world around us, that doesn't know God, that doesn't honor him as God, it's trying to pull us away from God and trying to pull us away from obeying. Our flesh within us is trying to pull us in myriad ways off mission to forget our purpose, to forget that we're made in the image of God and that we've been redeemed, we were bought with a price. And then the devil. And I do believe there is a literal devil, a literal Satan. He was an angel of light, and he fell. He rebelled. He took a third of heaven with him, and they made war with Michael, the archangel, and the angels who were still loyal to God. They were thrown out of heaven, and one of the things that they did is they came to earth, and they continued their rebellion by trying to get God's image bearers to rebel with them against God, to join forces with them against God. Machin, I think, has a very clear perspective on liberal Christianity. And he sees it being used in his time as a prop. It's a wedge. People are going to use Christianity, like Saul Alinsky advocated, like Niccolò Machiavelli advocated, to use Christianity as a way of infiltrating this institution we call the church. Locally, they might in- infiltrate slip in among you and try to use the church to promote their political and social and personal philosophy. Hubristically, it's about them. It's about their Messiah complex. Not about the Messiah. It's about their Messiah complex. Their desperate need to be needed, to feel needed, to feel important. That's why victims are always popping up everywhere you look. Victims are embraced as if there's something heroic about claiming victimhood status. Do I think that somebody who's been abused and victimized should have our compassion, our protection, that we should try to restore them, we should try to shelter them and shield them from further abuse, that we should try and bring their abusers to accountability? Yes. But modern liberalism and particularly liberal Christianity has put the victim, so-called, on a pedestal and made the victim an object of worship. And when I say worship, I mean every objective truth must bow at the name of victimhood. If somebody had something mean said to them once or if they just belong to a class of people who have a member or a few representative members who allegedly have had mean things said to them or done to them once upon a time, then all of a sudden, truth doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not, thou shalt. Here's the plan, here's the agenda. God doesn't get to set the terms on which we live our lives. He doesn't get to dictate our doctrine anymore according to liberal Christianity, because so long as you could point out that Emmett Till or Rosa Parks or whoever was mistreated, our new God becomes black America. You know, it's just scrolling through Tumblr here, and I saw a post from one of these history blogs that I follow. I love following history blogs and archaeology blogs and science blogs and photography blogs on Tumblr. And one of the posts that I saw this morning was of some event a couple of years ago that was attended by Spike Lee, the director. And I didn't read too much into the backstory on the event I just saw a couple of quick pictures and I'm seeing it's kind of a montage right this post is a montage and one of the items in the montage is a gif of some interview with a black man who had also attended this event maybe it was made into a documentary or maybe it was a news story on some major network but this black guy is being interviewed and he says it's all about promoting anybody who's black. And I look at the expression on his face, right? that I don't know how to describe the way I see these things. I'm looking at this matter-of-fact, totally oblivious comfort that he obviously feels about the statement he's making. And I don't want to make this into a thing where... You know, oh, okay, you know, white supremacy is not so bad, and white racist people are not so bad because, look, black people can be racist too, and you can have black supremacists too. If you don't think black people can be racist and you don't think it's a big deal when black people are racist because white people have all the power, there's the door, right? I don't have time for that. That's ridiculous, nonsensical, completely absurd. When you only have eyes to see, bad actions, bad attitudes, and evil when they're performed by the class that's supposedly in power. You're a Marxist and you probably don't even know it. So maybe go read some books about Marxist theory and then come back because I know what you think maybe better than you do even. But this guy, he's doing the interview and he's saying that he is for, they are for, they need to be for promoting and raising up anybody who's black. And if that statement were made by a white person, it would be decried. That person wouldn't be able to get a job anywhere to save their lives. Their social life would be over. They would be pilloried, put in the stockade, metaphorically speaking, from coast to coast. It might even be an international incident. You'd have foreign leaders making speeches denouncing white supremacy and racism in the United States of America. But when it's a black man, then that's fine, right? And the reason why it's fine is because liberal Christianity infiltrated American culture decades ago. It infiltrated American culture during Jake Rash and time. And liberal Christianity said we need to liberate everybody from the constraints of the systems that are unjustly interfering with their authentic expression of self. You have the constrained vision, you have the unconstrained vision. And liberalism believes that man is inherently good, but the problem with that that gets at the heart of Christianity is that if man is inherently good, he has no need of a savior. If you're a good person, then what's the big deal? Why did Jesus need to die on the cross? It makes no sense. If you want to claim that, if you want to claim that you're an inherently good person and that everybody's inherently good and most people are inherently good and that evil is an outlier or evil is just the result of systems, call yourself what you will, but you're not a Christian. As C.S. Lewis points out, there is this trend in which people want to believe anything whatsoever, whether or not it accords with historic Orthodox Christian teaching, whether it accords with the scriptures, whether it's based on anything other than their feelings and their personal opinion. They want to believe anything. They don't want to be subject to any of the criteria for what would actually define them as a Christian. But they want to be referred to and thought of as a Christian. And if you say, well, objectively, it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it waddles like a duck, it's a duck not an eagle, you're claiming to be an eagle, you're actually a duck, they get really offended. There's this great line, and I won't do it justice, but he says at this one point, in reference to these noble sentiments, that someone should be able to call themselves a Christian while also rejecting every Christian teaching and belief and doctrine. He says it sounds very fine, it sounds very noble, sounds very charitable. In fact, it has every noble quality except that of being useful. Communication breaks down, ladies and gentlemen, when words lose objective meaning, when there is no shared meaning to words. Culture breaks down, family breaks down, humanity breaks down, it's death. Death, like cell death, like brain death, that we are now seeing headlines on CNN Saying that there is no consensus regarding the assignment of gender at birth. There is no scientific consensus as to what the criteria are for saying whether this is a male or a female or fill in the blank. There is no consensus. There is no consensus because y'all have lost your damned minds. You done lost your damned mind. And I say that literally. I don't say that to add a little extra salt. The word is damned, like cursed. Accursed. You are under a curse. Those who fear the Lord can expect blessings to come as they live according to the truth. God is the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. He created a universe of order. He created us in an orderly way. And he gives us orders in the form of instructions, in the form of promises, in the form of revelation of who he is, what his plans are, what his desire is for us, for our good, not for our evil, not for our destruction, but for our restoration if we are in Christ. But those who are lost and dead and their sins, who are not inherently good, none of us are, but those who don't even have the righteousness of Christ... want to claim that they are liberal christians they're of a different spirit for us to minimize that trivialize it it speaks to our own ignorance about the issues it speaks to our own lack of understanding about who god is who he's made us to be what his word says and what the claims are of the other side and it is the other side and as machin points out it is not divisiveness to point out that a division exists it is not divisiveness to say we are already divided and here's how and why and here's which side you should be on it's not divisiveness to say this is truth and that is falsehood this is good that is evil this is the gospel and that is a counterfeit that is a false gospel The early church had to do that with regards to the Judaizers. Paul comes out in the strongest possible terms against the Judaizers, not because he's a bully, not because it's open season on Judaizers, not because he just disagrees with their politics, not because this is about his foolish pride and he's not being very loving. No, on the contrary, he is being as absolutely loving as anyone possibly could be because he is... Confronting an absolutely toxic view of God and the gospel, which is false, which is lying about who God is. It's lying about Christ. It's lying about you. It's lying, and those lies are going to hurt people. And those lies displease God. Satan is the father of lies. In God, there is no deceit, he is light and the Father of lights, and in him there is no darkness, there is no shadow. He does not change. He changes not. But the message of liberal Christianity is that God does change, and that he messed up. And then you get some pastor on TikTok, some young idiot, who's exactly the sort of person that Machin was trying to warn us about. Even in his time, you were getting people whose only qualification for being a preacher or a pastor or a leader in a denomination or a professor teaching theology, their only qualification was that they had not been heard to directly deny Christian doctrine and orthodoxy. In the absence of a denial, we'll just presume that they're good people, right? We're inherently good. He says very emphatically, these people should not be in leadership, they should not be pastors, they should not be deacons, they should not be heads of denominations, they should not be teaching anybody theology, and when we find them in our churches and in our denominations, we should be confronting them and we should be throwing them out because they are not Christians. Us having this loosey-goosey definition of Christianity is not good, it is not godly, and it is dangerous. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Liberalism thinks it profits a man quite a lot. You should check out J. Gresham Machen's Christianity and Liberalism. I'm probably not doing it justice. But if you are interested in understanding how we got to the crossroads in America, there's at least two books, maybe three, that I would recommend highly. I read here recently, one being Christianity and liberalism, another being George M. Marsden's The Twilight of the American Enlightenment, and another is R. R. Reno's Return of the Strong Gods. Between those three, I have just come to a much better understanding of the past century of American political, social, and theological transformation, how we got where we're at right now it wasn't just that the rise of new technologies provided an impetus it was that there was a spiritual change in this country as churches and christians thought of themselves as social institutions first and cared less and less and openly less and less more obviously less and less about loving god with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The liberal Christian says, "Mm, nah, there's grace for that. Just pour grace on it. Repentance? No, we don't need repentance, even though John the Baptist, who is sent to make straight the way of the Lord, to announce the coming of the Messiah, to prepare people to herald the Son of God, as he's coming and beginning his public ministry and then being arrested, beaten, crucified, buried, raising from the dead. John the Baptist says, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means turn away from sin. That means you are sinning, right? You, stop it. Stop what you're doing. What you're doing is bad. It's evil, God hates it. Technology, I think, helped to accelerate the trend, but the seeds had been planted before the technology arrived on the scene. Technology was an accelerant, it added gas to the fire. People are not inherently good though. So it wasn't technology that caused people to become more corrupt, churches to become complicit to lose their savor, to be salt that had lost its savor. It came from within. It came from within our hearts and minds, an apathy, an ambivalent, a cold-heartedness. What was needed was that our hearts of stone be replaced with hearts of flesh and that God would transform us from dead corpses in our sins to living Breathing image bearers. Not just looking to Jesus as an example, as we serve the poor. Not just looking to Jesus as a good teacher, as a moral man, who's very nice. And we should be very nice like Jesus was very nice. That's all there is to it. Just be nice, right? Just be nice. That's all there is to liberal Christianity, is be nice. Except that that is a facade. It's a whitewashed tomb inside which are dead men's bones. And they can't keep it up forever because they're not nice people on the inside. They're pretending, they're play-acting, like Machiavelli encouraged the prince to play-act. Pretend at virtue, and meanwhile, behind the scenes, privately, in secret, do whatever it takes to get and retain and expand your power. Check out Jay Gresham Machen's liberalism and Christianity Christianity and liberalism rather check it out you'll understand the topic much better he's not as poetic as C.S. Lewis but he's very direct he's easy to follow there's a lot of food for thought in here and there's a lot that we really need to take seriously and when I say take seriously I mean you've got to understand that liberalism is a different religion it is a false gospel your friend, who's such a great Christian, but they're a liberal, are they really a Christian? Or do you just want to think that, and you just don't have the courage, you don't have the guts to challenge them? You're a coward, and now you're going to take their side in any conflict because they're nice to you. They offer you free candy. They're going to reward your loyalty. And meanwhile, mean people like me and Jake Gresham Mackin. Are going to say, repent. Repent, liberal, false Christian, anti-Christian, who doesn't believe in the need for a Savior. How could you be a Christian when you don't believe that men need a Savior? You don't believe that men are dead in their sins. You don't believe that they stand in enmity against God apart from the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, How can you be a Christian when you don't believe that men are sinful? What need is there for a Savior? What need is there for a Christ? Repent. That's all I've got for today. Thank you for listening. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, concerns, complaints. Love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening and God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rock's blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rock's blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also, and you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at Garrettmullett at gmail.com.